Hello. It's time for a story by Big Beefin. Go ahead and pour yourself a nice cold beverage, because this tale is going to take a little bit. I'd like to transport you back in time once again to the fall of 1993. Now, during this time, I'm going to tell you a story that's told from my perspective, but involves people that, you know, certain people that I'm not going to go into their full names because I don't know their side of the story. It's nothing bad about them. It's a story about my mom and dad and something that happened to them that uh, I happen to be a part of just by a strange set of circumstances. 1993, I was living in a small town. And back in those days, kids pretty much got to wander wherever. You just, you you didn't really stay in the house that much. You you went outside and you played. I spent a lot of time in local creeks and ditches, uh, riding my bicycle pretty much all around town. If you listen to the Big Beefing episode, we just talked about that bicycle in in a recent uh, episode. And I had befriended a kid down the road named Charles. Um... I don't know what Charles is up to these days. I haven't talked to him in over 30 years. But uh, I do know he's a roofer because I found him on Facebook. So I know he's seems like he's doing okay. Um, you know, exactly how I remember him. He's a kind of short guy. He was a little year, a year older than me. But because of his size, we ended up, you know, things kind of worked out. We always got along pretty good. But Charles, um, you know, back in those days, video games... Not everybody had the same access to the same games like you do nowadays where you can get, there's a game online and everybody can get it. Back in those days, you had one game on a cartridge and that was it. You could share that game and you risked it being totally destroyed or sold or bartered or whatever. Or, um, you know, you just kept your own or you go over to your friend's house and then you play it. But then if you do that, you have to live through the torture of sitting and watching them play before you can get to play it yourself. Because no kid is going to just let you have fun on their game unless they're getting in on it. So, uh, Charles had a set of games that I didn't have that were rarely... The the movie shop down the road didn't have, so you couldn't rent them. Um, He had Mega Man 2, which I had Mega Man 1, but Mega Man 2, the graphics were a little bit better. You could do more things. Uh, The music was a little bit better. It was just more interesting. Uh, He also had RoboCop, which I was a big RoboCop fan from the time I was a little kid, so... That was pretty neat that he had that game. So I did like to occasionally go over and play with Charles. He also had a pretty good imagination, and he had a little a little go-kart, and we would play, uh, you know, outside, riding our bikes, playing go-karts and whatnot. But there was a couple things. Charles wasn't really big on watching cartoons. He didn't like to watch TV. He liked to either play. He liked to be doing something, whereas I'm perfectly fine with just sitting down and watching a show, even at 9 or 10 years old. But Charles wasn't having all that. So when I would go stay the night with him, um, and we'd got to be pretty good friends one summer, but staying with the night with him, it kind of started to, to wear on me because we'd get up in the morning and I'd want to watch Saturday morning cartoons like Cowboys and Moo Mesa, Sonic the Hedgehog, Batman, X-Men, all those, Spider-Man. Uh, he didn't really care for any of that. He wanted to get outside and play. Um, so I, at some point I devised a plan. I would wait until everybody fell asleep at his house and then I would just kindly exit stage right leave the house head on home before anybody uh, before anybody noticed and nobody was the wiser 
And I did this a few times. Like, he'd say, listen, you staying the night tonight? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I, I'll stay the night. And his mom would just look at me, you know, like, you know, what, why do you keep doing this? And at first, it wasn't really a problem other than why the hell is this 10-year-old kid running around town at 10 o'clock at night? But um, what happened was, is one day I'd, let, I'd, left the dog, I'd left the door open and the dog got out. And from that point forward, uh, they weren't having it. They didn't want me... They don't want me being out um, doing that anymore. And they said, look, you know, you're not leaving the house, okay? Don't do that again. They're just, just blunt about it. Like, stop leaving the house. And um, so, okay. Now, I've got to tell you another part of the story to tell you where this is going. My mom and father uh, had just gotten divorced. My dad did a stint in prison for about a year for selling drugs, uh, selling a lot of drugs. He got busted. It's a big scheme. He was working with a deputy um, there in town and... Somehow she, whoever she was working with, tipped off the, the local deputies. It was a big freaking ordeal. We had about 20 cops in our house raiding the place. Um, Kearns PD, Sheriff's Department, of course, Canada PD. I mean, all of them were there um, looking for more drugs because Dad had a truckload of them. Anyway, and we're talking marijuana. And I'd seen how much, I mean, he had a king-size bed full of marijuana. And I know it was the size of a king-size bed because I went in there and saw all the marijuana bagged up saying, laying on a king-size bed. And when I asked my mom what it was, she said it was pot and soil. And I was like, oh, pot and soil don't come in little baggies. And you don't throw them on the bed like that. And she just covered it up and just said, get out of here. Anyways, um, so yeah, he'd gotten busted selling drugs. And then upon his release from uh, prison, uh, mom decided that uh, they needed to go their separate ways and that she was going to end it, which dad didn't take too kindly to that story. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't really ready for it to be over. And, um, but not much he could do. The law wasn't really on his side. Okay. And I'm not trying to paint my dad as like the poor guy here. I mean, you know, we'll get into that. So they had split up. He'd been staying with my grandma, was staying over there at the time. Sometimes we'd go over to my uncle who lived down the road, but mostly it was over at my grandma's house. And so I'm staying over at Charles's house and he's got a little sister Oh, and she's just loud and, and rambunctious and just in your face and like, really country? Like, Shane, don't you be leaving that room? Just, you know, just really energetic. Whereas, you know, me and Charles are just chilling. So I knew that night I was going to have to wait extra late before I left. And I can remember just laying there on the floor and Charles liked to have the radio on. So he was playing, uh, you could hear like Neon Moon and all those country songs from the early 90s. I mean, if you, if you could set a soundtrack to this thing, it'd be a dope soundtrack because it was just every popular country song's playing, but I'm just laying there waiting for this motherfucker to fall asleep and waiting for all the noise in the house to stop and everything to get quiet so I can make my exit. So at this point, it's probably around 11 o'clock at night, and I'm thinking, all right, everybody's out cold. I'm just going to crawl across the floor till I get to the living room, just kind of hang out for a little bit, make my exit. Now notice I'm going through all this trouble just because I want to watch cartoons in the morning. Anyways, start creeping down the hallway, creeping down the hallway. Okay, see Charles' sister, she's got a fan on. The fan's loud as shit. It's one of them damn, like that's another thing. Back in those days, none of the houses I stayed in had central heat and air. Um, everything was like either a, a window unit or a box fan. And the, and the Charles, they had the, they had the, they had the window unit in the parents' bedroom, but the kids just had to, fend for themselves with the box fans in any case sneaking through that box fans just blaring go in crawling across the floor sure enough i look over to the right 
And there's her eyes just looking at me. She's grinning in the ear. I caught you, Shane. I caught you. You better go back to bed. I'm going to tell my mama. I'm going to tell her right now. Son of a, you know, I didn't say son of a bitch, but I was like, you know, dang it. So I was like, oh, I'm just using the bathroom. She's like, Why are you crawling on the floor? You're about to leave, aren't you? And I was like, well, no, 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 no. Just using the bathroom. So I go, try to kill some time in the bathroom. Come back out. She's just sitting there waiting on me. So I go back and lay down on the floor. And I'm just laying on the floor looking at that alarm clock, looking at those red numbers, listening to that music, just dreading that I'm going to miss my Saturday morning cartoons because this fool ain't going to want to watch them. Just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, we're getting about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I just made the decision, it's now or never. So I get up, go creeping down that hallway. Fans blaring loud as shit. Dogs put up. Look to the right. There she is, out cold. Keep on going. Get to the living room. Put the hand up to the door. Damn it. They locked the door. So now I got to think, the only way I can get out this bad boy is I, I'm going to have to twist that door open and, you know, make sure it shuts behind me so I don't get in any more trouble. So turn the lock over. Open that door. Make my way on in. Creak out onto the porch. It's, I mean, it's pitch black out. There's some street, there's like one street light on Main Street, a couple a couple lights up. There's, there's a couple streets down the highway. Other than that, it's dark. Close that door behind me. Make sure it latches. Make sure it's shut. Close the screen door behind me. Make sure that latches and shut. And now I'm creeping off the porch. 10 years old, four o'clock at night. Kearns, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere. Getting ready to go down a street to cross a highway. Cross back over into my to my neighborhood. I start walking. Well, I know, I don't know the legalities of the situation, but I know little kids ain't supposed to be out that late at night. So I see a car coming. At that point, because of the time of year, the grass was high enough to where I could hide in it, but that grass was wet. So I ducked down and, and hide in the grass, you know, let that car pass. Get back up. Go ahead and haul ass across that highway fast as I could to get home. Now, I'm in the danger zone because... The volunteer fire department was catty corner from my house on the other block, and they had a massive streetlight out there, and you could see that thing. So I'm gonna have to cross. I'm gonna have to cross over that streetlight to get to the house. There's no way I can avoid it. So if somebody sees me walking, they're gonna pull up and want to know what's going on. So I bolt for it, man. I go for it. I gun it, and now we're you know four four thirty in the morning, something like that. I, I don't remember the exact time, so I didn't have a watch, but we're we're, we're early. So I go up to the house, and at that time we had a big thicket that covered around our house. At the time, I didn't think anything about it, but it was probably my dad's version of a privacy fence. Like he didn't want people knowing he was up to, so he just let the he bought a house that had a bunch of hedges that were overgrown. Anyways, I uh, come up to the driveway, and the porch lights on in the back back of the house. It's we can't, we always came in through the back of the house. We rarely used the front porch, and uh, I see my mom's car. She had a black Pontiac and uh, Bonneville and my dad is standing up next to the car and in his hand he's got this bag and it looks like a bag of flour like gold metal flour and he's dumping that bag of flour into my mom's car and I don't know what the hell's going on I don't know why my dad's there he hasn't been there forever and I don't know why he's got a bag of flour and I don't know what he's doing in my mom's car so I just walk right up to him and hey dad and just scared the shit out of him. He jumped up in the air, put that bag right behind him, put, put the bag behind his back, 
So he's got one arm behind his back, and he's like, Shane, what, what are you doing out here, boy? What's going on? And I was like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, does your mama know you're out here? What were you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go to bed. What, what are you doing here? So at this point, he knows, like, oh, shit, you know, busted. And uh, But at the same time, there's a 10-year-old kid outside, and he's dead. So what's he supposed to do? So he goes and knocks on the door, pounds on the door. Mama comes out. He's got a robe on and says, you know, Mickey, what are you doing here? Now, the problem my dad is in is he's got a restraining order. He's not to be around the property, not to be allowed in, not, not supposed to be talking to my mama. And uh, so she's like, Mickey, you know, Mickey, what are you doing here? And he's like, I want to know why my son's out at 4 o'clock in the morning. And she's like, well, he's supposed to be at a friend's house. And he's like, well, he's not. He's right here. And she says, well, I don't know. Sometimes he just gets out and leaves. I don't know what he's doing here. What are you doing here? And he's like, well, I just happened to be visiting Randy, and I saw him walking down the street, and I just wanted to know what was going on. And so I'm like, well, no, that, that's not really what you were doing. It looked like you were doing something to mom's car, but I didn't, I didn't think to say anything. So mom takes me inside the house, and dad goes about his way. A couple weeks go by. Mom starts having car trouble. So she takes it into the shop, and she comes home, and she's just flabbergasted. She's just, you know, all been out of shape. And I was like, what's going on? She said... Uh, I took the car to the shop, and I was like, what's wrong with it? And she said, the mechanic said that somebody poured sugar in the engine. Now, I didn't see my dad with a bag of sugar. I saw him with a bag of flour. So I said, Mom, I don't know anything about a bag of sugar. Because I didn't. Um, that doesn't make any sense. But I do know Dad was by the car, and he had a bag of flour. <laughs> and my mom just, you know, shook her head. I mean, what could she do? You know, got... She's got, if she tried to report it to the cops, now she's got to explain how I was the witness to it. And that's going to go over real well. So, um, you know, it just wasn't the best scenario. I think she did report the situation, but nothing came of it because, again, how are you going to prove who did it? So, yeah, my dad got busted. The moral of that story is your kids are always watching.